0: Frank Ling and I'm Charles Lee and you're listening to the Grok Science Show that's right it's a weekly look at the world of science technology and their effects on our daily lives coming up on today's program Dr. Cleet Bullock will join us to discuss the school bully so stay tuned for all of this plus the Grokatron 5000 and our world famous question a week coming right up here on the Grok's Science Show science show. Well, bullying has become a national issue, but what do you do if the school bully is your child's teacher? Well, joining us today to discuss this issue is a leading authority on educational policy, Dr. Cleet Bullock. His new book, Creating a Culture for High-Performing Schools, a Comprehensive Approach to School Reform and Dropout Prevention, addresses some of these issues. And uh, Drew Bullock, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the uh, Grox Science Show. Pleasure to be on your show. Uh, Well, certainly a a pleasure. It's certainly a a fascinating issue here, one that I think is becoming more prevalent this day, especially in the era of cyberbullying. But I'm I'm just curious, uh, how big of an issue is bullying in schools these days?
1: Well, there's a survey on my website that measures bullying in schools, and it's been used in hundreds of schools free. Any school or parent can get on there and get that survey and take it to their school and ask them to use it. Actually, when you do that, roughly five to ten percent of the students who take the survey report that they are bullied by one or more students. So it's quite prevalent. If you figure a thousand students in a school, you're looking at fifty to a hundred who are bullied. And, uh, and occasionally uh, it is a teacher who is the bully, although the teacher has no awareness that they're considered a bully. They, they, Some teachers tend to use sarcasm as a way to interject humor into their classroom, and when I was a school superintendent, you know, when anybody was observed using sarcasm, they were written up and ordered not to do that or they would be fired.
0: Well, I'm curious. When I was growing up, you know, a child's teacher seemed to be able to get away with almost anything. But now spotlight is on teachers. And really, what is it that constitutes abuse from a teacher?
1: Well, anytime you use sarcasm, a sarcastic remark to get the other kids to laugh, uh, to try to interject humor in the classroom, that hurts the kid who is the victim. And, uh, you know, most kids will not report this. As a matter of fact, most kids do not report bullying to their parents at all. Uh, There was a recent case uh, in Cincinnati, Ohio, where a kid was bullied in the bathroom. Two days later he was found hanging, committed suicide in his own bedroom. Uh, And the school officials didn't tell the parents that the kid had been bullied. Uh, So the kid suffered alone. Most victims of bullying behavior suffer alone. They're embarrassed. Uh, They don't want to admit it. Um, Just recently uh, on a Facebook page here, a group I belong to, a parent complained to the group that their daughter was being bullied at school. They were new uh, residents to the community and they wanted to know what they could do. And I told the parent, I said, tell your daughter to invite three or four kids that she would like to have as friends for a slumber party. And uh, the the parent did that. And all of a sudden, this girl had three or four friends and, and wrote back that she was having a wonderful experience at the school. So bullies pick on individual, what I call isolates, kids with no friends. Because they, they, they pick their victims carefully. They don't want to pick on a victim who has a lot of friends because the friends will beat the bully up.
0: How can we tell if uh, their child's being bullied, especially since oftentimes they won't well, tell you?
1: It's usually pretty easy to tell. Parents sometimes don't pick up the signals. On this particular case uh, where the kid hung himself, the, parent, the child complained of a stomach ache. And the parent thought the kid had the flu. And so she kept the kid home. Finally, when the kid knew he had to go to school, he decided he didn't want to deal with that anymore, so he hung himself. And a lot of kids, you know, control is a big factor. It's one of life's five basic needs. To have some control over your life is a basic need. Now, the need for control is higher in some people than in others, but all people have a need for control. A bully has a higher need. And that's why they bully people. The other four basic needs are life itself, happiness, uh, knowing that somebody cares about you, and having a purpose in your life. Control is a big one. If you have no control, if you feel like you have no control over your life, you're going to do something about it. You have to do something about it so you can take your own life. You can also grab a gun or a knife or a baseball bat and go back to school and beat somebody up or shoot somebody. You can also uh, resort to drugs, alcohol, gangs. A gang will protect you. That gives you some control. But being the victim of a bully, whether it's a teacher who is bullying, if a teacher is bullying you, that's even worse than another kid bullying you because it's an adult who's doing it. And I I, I thought through this a little bit. One of the worst things you can do is go to the counselor and tell him that so-and-so is bullying you. Then when the counselor goes to the teacher and says, Johnny told me that you are bullying him, the teacher's got the control here. And odds are that the teacher is going to do something to get even with this kid. So it may make the matter worse. So if, if you perceive that your child is being bullied by a teacher, you go to the counselor and say, I need to report something, and I need your word that you're not going to tell this teacher who the kid is. Do I have your word on that? So the counselor can go to the teacher and say, there are reports that you are bullying kids in your classroom. What are you doing? So this will make the teacher more conscious of what they're doing because many teachers who bully don't know they're doing it. The second thing uh, I would suggest if any of your listeners perceive their kid as being bullied by a teacher is go to the – have the kid go to the teacher and say, a little while ago you said this, and that made me feel very unhappy. Why did you do that? To make the teacher aware that they have made – most teachers will respond to descriptions of feeling. If a kid goes up to a teacher and says, I felt so awful when you did that to me, why did you do that? Most teachers will will say, oh, I'm sorry. I I wasn't aware of that. That's my suggestion. Confront the teacher on what they said or did and tell them how it made you feel. Because most teachers want their kids to feel good. There is very seldom a teacher who wants to make a kid feel bad.
0: How, at what age can this, uh, this be effective? I mean, you know, uh, very young kids, and they're still in preschool, and kind of tough to see them going up to a teacher that's potentially bullying them. I mean, well, what do you do if some of the younger grade might have well, a bullying it tends teacher? it
1: to happen in junior high and high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, very seldom would that happen at an elementary school. That, that's my, in my opinion... I don't think, it's usually a male, and most of the teachers at the elementary are female. And any male at the elementary level, they tend to be, they just tend to be uh, just great people. So I don't foresee it happening in elementary school. But at the middle, at the junior high and high school, it's this sarcasm more than anything else that teachers use to add a little humor to the classroom, and it hurts. It hurts the kids when when sarcasm is used on them.
0: Your your books in general they they are focused on trying to create schools that have a, a better environment for learning that promote these sorts of conditions where bullying can thrive. I mean, what the reason
1: bullying thrives is because when the bully is doing his or her thing, the other kids will stand around and watch. They don't intervene. It it is occasional that some kid. Uh, is bigger than the bully and will intervene but it is, it is very seldom and their reports that uh... the survey that i do um, there are four questions dealing with what the bystanders do and stand and watch is the most typical response uh, about seventy five percent of the kids will stand and watch and occasionally other kids will join in and that makes it even worse the bully uh... has a lot of friends usually and is a ringleader, so the other kids tend not to take the bully on. Now, in the book, the, the two recent books that I've written, uh, have the students indoctrinated that when they see this happening, they are to intervene and not stand and watch, and they will. Uh, they will take control, but as it stands now, they'll stand and watch until an administrator or a teacher comes and breaks it up.
0: Is it tougher forcing these? It's obvious when it's sort of overt bullying that's occurring on the school ground, pushing and that sort of thing. But what about all this, uh, you know, cyberbullying that
1: occurs these days? Well, you know, bullying tends not to be seen by faculty or teachers or administrators. It's always done away from the looks of the administration or teachers. It's done in bathrooms. It's done in parking lots, behind cars. Cyberbullying is done privately, too. Nobody knows. And if they can hide their identity through cyberbullying, yeah, it becomes very prevalent. And girls tend to be use cyberbullying than boys. But cyberbullying is vicious. You know, when you get a message and you don't know who it's from, you don't know who it is, your anxiety levels go way up. And your feelings of helplessness and control are very high. And that... That weighs on people a lot. When I said the five basic needs, life and, happy, life and happiness, and control, those are three of them. And you don't have any of those three needs are being met when you're being the victim of cyberbullying. So that creates, that creates a bad situation for kids.
0: It's really not easy for anybody, but I would guess especially for kids who really don't have maybe the skills or the the tools to cope with it. Are there initiatives in schools? The
1: the biggest uh, expert on this in the United States is Dr. Alan Bean B E A N E. He has a number of programs and books on bully-free. Any of your listeners can get on the web and and look up bully-free schools, and they should find him. And uh, he's very good. He He is the one who uses my survey on hundreds of schools across the United States, and then he'll come in and design a program to um, improve on it. My book by itself, book number one, tells you how to reduce bullying behavior because once the kids in the school know that when they see bullying behavior, it is their duty to intervene and stop the bullying they will do it, but in most schools today, the kids will just stand around and watch. They don't intervene, and that's sad.
0: Do you think it's just a, a function of the time? Do you think uh, kids are, are different these days, or has it always been the case?
1: That's always been the case. I mean, I was a, a high school in the 1950s, and in my junior year, I switched schools. So I went into a new high school with no friends. I was five foot four and weighed 120 pounds, soaking wet. And everybody tried to pick on me, you know. In my case, being a a wiry country boy, they found a tiger on their hands when they tangled with me. But in most cases, a kid like that uh, is going to get bullied. And where I went to school, we would go out behind the school and fight. And most schools today, if you fight the bully, you're going to get punished too. My my favorite technique for dealing with a bully is do, do not give the bully control. If you give the bully control, they're going to continue to victimize you. Now, you can fight the bully, and you'll get suspended along with the bully. But if you engage them verbally, and which is what I advise parents whose kids are being bullied, I engage them verbally. What's the matter, big boy? Can't you find anybody littler than me to, to pick on? Are you a chicken? Are you a wuss? And engage them verbally like that. So you don't give them control, and as a last resort, I tell the bully, I tell students, come on, hit me, go on, hit me, so I can take you to the principal and get you kicked out of school, hit me, come on. So I take control away from the bully, and I tell the bully to hit me. Now, the minute the bully swings, you fall down to the floor and curl up in a ball and and let you become the victim. Do not fight back, because... The bully is going to be the one who pays the price there, not you.
0: Well, I mean, I remember when being a kid and trying to do things like that, and sometimes uh, some of these bullies just don't let up. What do you do in those sorts of situations?
1: Well, you know, if you curl up in a in uh, fetal position and offer no resistance, the bully uh, isn't going to get any satisfaction out of, you know, the other kids are going to say, he's not fighting back. What are you doing? You're going to get sympathy from the other kids. Now, as long as you are fighting back, the other kids are going to cheer it on. You know, they love to watch a good fight. Offer no resistance. Uh, the peaceful, peaceful resistance is, is my advice to fighting a bully.
0: That, that certainly strikes a chord with my heart anyway.
1: <laughs> well, you know, uh, as a parent, you, uh, you just need to know that your kids have friends at school. And the best way to get friends at school, you know, band kids, kids in band have lots of friends. They also have the best uh, grades, the best behavior, and they tend to stay busy. But you get your kids involved in something at school, and you need to have uh, sleepovers to see what kind of friends your kids have, uh, because the peer group in most schools is very strong, is stronger than parents'. The peer group has more control over most kids than the parent does. So you need to make sure who, what peer group your kid is in.
0: Make sure you know who their friends are.
1: Yes, mm. absolutely, and make sure they have friends. Because if they have friends, their friends won't let the bully have his or her way. Mm.
0: We are running slightly out of time. Uh, curious if uh, maybe you have some final words regarding, you know, this whole issue of bullying and people want to find out more about the issue or about you or your books. So where can they go?
1: Well, there's a number of manuscripts on my website that deal with various aspects of bullying, bullying on sports teams, what parents need to know about bullying, and that's on my website. It's uh, West. GA, as in West Georgia, westga.edu, front slash, tilt that little squiggly up in the left hand corner of the keyboard, and C BULOT. C as in cat, B as in boy, U L A C H. All the materials on my website are free. The manuscripts about bullying behavior, I think there's four of them there. You, you can read that, and of course, you can get a copy of my book and uh, give it to a, a teacher, you know. There's stuff in the book on human relations that parents can use. Like, he, did you know, Dr. Lee, there are nine forms of power? Nine forms of power. The use and misuse of the nine forms of power. He usually spends 15 to 20 minutes on the nine forms of power. Four of the nine forms control, and five of the nine forms free people up. It's kind of interesting to talk about those. How do you motivate people? How do you motivate your kids? You've got a four-year-old. How do you get that four-year-old to do what you want that kid to do? Which forms of power do you use? Hmm. (laughs) Uh, Well, personality is one of the main ones Hmm. parents use. They just ask kids to do things, and the kid does it because they like their parents. Uh, That's one form of power. If the kids Hmm. like the teacher, all the teacher has to do is ask, and the kids will do it because Hmm. they want the teacher to like them. mm but there are eight other forms that can be used when that doesn't work. When you ask someone to do something and they don't do it, now what are you going to do? You have to you have to go through one of the uh, some of the other forms. Sometimes you got to use all nine forms to get people to do what they're supposed to do. And the crazy thing is, as a parent, you have one of the forms that's called position power. You are the parent. If you Ask a kid to do something, and the kid does not do it. You have to impose position power and put and punish or reward this kid. Because if you don't, you will lose position power. Once you lose position power, you've lost control of the kid. Because they're going to control the parent from then on. And If you think that that isn't the case, just go into Walmart and look at the kids who are controlling their parents. It does happen. All right. Yeah, you know, if you're a parent, you you have position power. You must use it to control the kid. Otherwise, the kid is going to end up controlling you.
0: Fortunately, we are definitely out of time. But thank our guest again, uh, Dr. Cleet uh, Bulock, uh, again, for talking about uh, this issue. And uh, you can go and take a look at his website and find out more information. So, uh, uh, Dr. Bulock, I want to thank you very much for your time.
1: Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you for your inquiry. You're a good interviewer.
0: <laughs> Thanks so much.